You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This episode number 204, we're discussing the future of DC film, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and the Batman. I'm your host, Tim. And I'm Carlos. I got the goddamn Batman here. It's our first one-on-one podcast. Sonny is sick. Troy is M-I-A. But I do promise at some point we'll have the whole crew back together at the table. But this week you've got myself... My dear friend, the goddamn Batman here, to walk you through this weekend, nerd. Now, it's been somewhat of a slow week, but we do have some exciting Batman and Falcon Winter Soldier news to talk about. And we're also going to break down what the future of DC film looks like. This is part of a, I think, a three-part miniseries that we're going to try to do in the slow weeks. We're going to look at the three universes we spent a lot of time talking about and just project ourselves into the future. Now, we spent some time earlier this year talking about what's coming in 2020. We're going to look into 21, 22, and beyond, speculate a bit what's coming in these three franchises in film. And this week, we're starting off with DC, looking at everything from Shazam to Aquaman 2 and projecting ourselves out into the inevitability of the sequel to Matt Reeves' The Batman because we are super (laughs) stoked about this film and I can't wait to talk about the start of production. What's coming for The Batman with the goddamn Batman here? Exciting times. Oh man, what a a time to be a nerd, right? I know, and it's perfect. Falcon and Winter Soldier, The Batman, it's ideal time for the Captain America Batman team up John Byrne style. Yes, it is, man. It's going to be a lot of fun, guys. I'd like to thank all of you before we really kick this off for all the great feedback we got from last week's episode. We did a bonus episode. I was out of the country, but my wife and I sat down on a Saturday night, had a little date night here across the microphones and talked about what it's like living with me, living with Nerd, and we got a lot of great feedback. Yes, it was a bit of a divergence from what we normally do, but I'm glad you guys really enjoyed that. I know you you had a little fun with that too, eh, Carlos? Yeah, it was beautiful stuff. I listened to it, and then uh, just the other day, I came upstairs, and my heard Sydney's voice as I was coming out of our bathroom. I'm like, what the heck? And my <laughs> wife was listening to the podcast, and I said, what do you think? And she's like, oh, this is so cute. I love this thing. Yeah. So then... Uh, there was something that we just couldn't abide by, though. <laughs> and I know my wife sent Tim a, a direct message. And then uh, when I was out grocery shopping, I had to had to undo a mistake, as Bruce Wayne said in Justice League. And I grabbed Sydney, her very own copy of Wonder Woman. So Yes, I've got it here right for me. <laughs> I'm going to go upstairs and give it to her after. Because she did say, she did say that she had some, she'd struggled a bit with the DC side of film. But she was looking forward to Wonder Woman. And this will actually be nice because maybe we can all get together. Maybe the whole crew plus the families can maybe go see Wonder Woman 84. You know, we've got to get some big support for me on that one. You know, yeah. that's, that's, one of my, that's my number one pick this year. But it might be nice to get everyone out to see the DC film. Yeah, I'm not going to begrudge my girl Diana racking up the ducats. So. <laughs> that's where it says all right guys we're gonna get into this we got a lot to talk about today but like we always do we're gonna kick it off with our weeks in nerd man it's it's been as you're sitting in the nerd room here carlos you can see it's been a continuation of really the pull apart and restructuring 
of the Nerd Room. I'm about halfway through now. This is part of my New Year's resolution. And this week, I didn't do a lot of hunting, but I literally opened every single black series I own, with the exception of the orange and blue cards. I'm keeping them in box. They're kind of the original runs. All red cards opened everything. What a liberating experience that was. Almost it, cathartic. It looks phenomenal, man. Like, the room is so fun. I've been in your pile of times, and it just it's just joy. Star Wars joy oh, man. all over that back wall. Like, it's it's wicked. Yeah. The shelves are awesome. The figures are complimented so nice on the work that you did. It's, it's a slick display. It's coming, man. I'm going to have an image up on Instagram, hopefully the weekend after next, when I'm completely done with it. I don't want to put it up. Now I'll give you guys some insight into the, the, the construction, the shelves and all that, what I did there. But I, I've got everything out. I'm about 80% done setting up the display. And it's really going to be the majority of my Star Wars collection. I've really gotten to a point too where I'm starting to purge things. So I've got some Funko Pops on our chopping block. Even some Black Series that are outside of what I decided is my collecting focus for Black Series. Again, going back to our nerdy resolutions, this is what it was about. It was about focusing. It was about getting the collection out, letting it just breathe, letting people see what I have. I don't want my collection or half my collection being in storage. It's got to be out in display. And Carlos, you've played a big role <laughs> in enticing me and encouraging me to get them out there after I saw the Batcave and what you've done down there. And it's just been an experience. I think something to always stick with me is that you don't want your nerd room to be an EB Games. Like, I don't want it to totally. be a store. Yeah. And that, that stuck with me since almost I met you when you said that. It was like, this is right. I don't I don't want it to be like you're walking into a GameStop or an EB Games. It's just kind of, it's kind of cold. And like, how do you bond with a figure when it's behind that plastic wall, yes. right? It's uh you don't want to be creating stinky peats all over the place. That's so. exactly it, you know. And <laughs> what a reference! <laughs> a little deep cut, yeah, for your Toy Story fans out there. But other than that, I did, I did manage to get on the hunt a little. Back to the Kijiji hunt, I picked up a couple archive series to complement my OT focused Black Series collection because I'm keeping some in boss. In Bosque, there you go. In box, I did buy a Bosque and an IG88. <laughs> oh, what a lead-in! Nice <laughs> for my collection. There, so I'm pretty excited to get those out. I found them a little light on Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back Black Series figures, so I've got to beef that up. And I've really focused down here on sequel trilogy and OT for my Black Series collection. So this year's going to be a little lighter because a lot of prequel stuff coming. We'll see if that holds. I don't know if it will. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> uh, it'll be uh, the true tale of the tape will be when you see those figures swinging on the peg, right? Oh, and... yeah. Oof, it's going to be a tough one. But how about you, man? How was how was your weekend, Nerd? We I, we haven't podcasted together for, for two weeks, it seems. I yeah, guess it two is weeks. two weeks. So yeah. what's going on with you? Uh, you know, I ended up, for whatever reason, and talking to Rob at Words and Pictures there, Diamond has been fulfilling a ton of merchandise. So despite ordering things months apart from each other, I ended up getting two statues fulfilled back to back so nice. this weekend i went and picked up the batman who laughs piece from uh dc collectibles and it, there's been a lot of batman who laughs product out there and he's a cool looking character um my interest waned a little bit because they overused him in their series of books but i was like ah you know i need to have him represented in the collection and he's he's a cool looking character and he's just got a neat vibe to him so i settled on the one piece that came with um the robin minions yes so it's a, a slick looking piece of the Batman who laughs and he's got the 
metal chain leash and he's got the three robin minions attached to it and it, it's cool it's gorgeous like, that was a shelf sunday focus this week yeah it was the hashtag shelf sunday look that up and you can see some pics that i threw up and yeah the nice little touch they threw in a swap out hand which is not the most common thing with the smaller statues so you can put a gun in his hand or uh give him a little scythe and stuff and then aside from that just doing a bit of catching up on tv so the wife and i made it through pennyworth and um, oh, nice. got to the end of that series and i completely forgot about that was it any good yeah you know what it was it, it was really well done i don't know that it had to be alfred pennyworth dc <laughs> comic show like it could have been i don't know simon nickelworth the <laughs> english english super spy slash uh uh world war ii hero or world war one hero i guess it, um but uh yeah it, it was really really well done i was a bit skeptical going in yeah knowing that the showrunner was the same guy that did gotham but uh yeah show was phenomenal it had some neat ties to british politics and I, i'm actually looking forward to season two and like that thing sat on my pvr forever that's now, why i'm that, watching was it that now. a cw or is that like a fox epics epics what is even epics i don't know it, it's <laughs> some specialty channel streaming service in the states we got it up here on showcase so, okay yeah i was able to get it off a of showcase on demand and did yeah. it go into bat lore or did it really pull from yeah knowing this so it, it does draw from some of his lore so in the show they made him a straight up royal marine okay and uh he's come back from the war but he's still young like he's living with his parents and whatnot and then by chance he ends up running into thomas and martha wayne and their origins and backstory is nothing i've ever seen before it's a completely new take on it okay. and, but it was a well done show like i said it, they could have very easily have made it <laughs> nothing to do with dc comics yeah. but uh they decided to to get people like me to watch it and it worked it worked <laughs> so, <laughs> that's yeah. awesome you really died in the comic books i know you read kylo ren the rise of kylo ren number two i finally got to it and what did you think? Oh, man, I love this series. It's made the Knights of Ren, for me, exponentially better characters. It, yeah, it gave, I love the backstory and yeah. how he comes to them. And yeah. Oh, yeah. It is very cool, guys. If you're not reading any Star Wars comic books and you want to get a deep dive, there's a question here that we're going to actually talk about this but from a listener. But The Rise of Kylo Ren, the first two books are great. And I read the Star Wars from Charles Soule, number one, that just restarted okay. out of that post-Empire Strikes Back. Also phenomenal. I am back in a big way into Star Wars comic books. And The Rise of Kylo Ren is really what kicked it off for me. Yeah, no, it was good. I read it on a whim and uh, just Kylo, he, like I always thought he was cool, but uh, Rise of Skywalker really sold me on him. And yeah. so, yeah, I decided to check it out. And then lo and behold, issue two showed up and yeah, off we go to the races. Yeah, it's, it's a banger of a comic book series. I'm, I'm, it's only five issues, maybe six issue miniseries. And already I'm wishing it was longer. I haven't seen the conclusion of the story. And usually Charles Soule is really good about a start, middle, and end that is nice and conclusive. It's not this leading story where you get all these threads that don't get tied up. This seems he's a really tight writer. And he's done a few miniseries in the Star Wars world, Lando and a few others. And so this will be a good conclusion, I think, to the character of Kylo Ren. Because I agree with you. I really like Kylo Ren. I struggle with him sometimes because I love the look in The Force Awakens. And then he's kind of a bit different, but he turns into this really complex character by the time we get to The Rise of Skywalker. And yeah. he is that epitome of toyetic when it comes to Star Wars. 
Oh, and especially totally. his Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker iterations, they're great. I got the figures behind me here, multiple different iterations from different lines, whether it's three and three quarter inch through to the Elite series, whatever. This character's great. So if you're not reading this, you got to pick it up. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. And I'm not a guy who does too many deep dives, or at least historically hadn't done too many deep dives into Star Wars comics and books and everything else. Tim has changed that in recent <laughs> days, but uh, it's all good. It's it's funny how we've all rubbed off on each other in different ways. You know, a year or two ago before we had met, I would have never, and now I'm saying that you're the exact reason why I started opening things, but you played a big piece in that. And I'm immensely happier with my collection with that, right? And it's it's funny that as you, and this is, again, why we always like doing this podcast is that we're all trying to rub off in each other in different ways, right? Yeah. Getting people into collecting, into comics and stuff like that. And just having that, that effect is, I think sometimes you need, and I love this from Joker, right? You know, what is it? What's the quote about, um, it's like gravity. All you need is a little push. Yeah, absolutely. I love that quote. And <laughs> I feel like collecting comic books is all that. You just need that little push. And if you can find the right people, surround yourself with the right people, you can get that little push very easily. And then it becomes, like we said in the past, a bit of an obsession. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's true. It's true. I was off the figures for a long time until you guys came into my life. And then when I bought Sid's Wonder Woman, I ran into the toy aisle and lo and behold, there were the McFarlane's figures. So, yeah. It's funny because you probably bought more figures in the last two weeks than I have. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely brilliant now guys before we get into any of our news this week we're just gonna take a quick pit stop and do some listener questions i've let these build up not on purpose but just because we've had quite a chaotic few weeks here in the nerd room between personal and also trying to get to all the content that's been dumped on us in the last few weeks so we're gonna do two listener questions but before that i want to give two shout outs one to duncan bennett and another one to solomon hamad i hope i'm saying that right uh, these are two individuals that sent us, two listeners that sent us questions before the Rise of Skywalker. They got buried, they got lost, we got so enthralled with the review and everything that we didn't quite get them. So I do want to apologize, send a personal apology to you guys for not getting them. I'd really encourage you to write more if we want to talk about something like that. But I want to give you guys a shout out because you did take the time to, to, to write us and, and send you know your positive thoughts and all that. And yeah, big shout out to you guys. And hopefully we can interact soon, whether it's on Twitter or via email. Again, don't be afraid to send an email and we'll get to it here because now with the year beginning stuff, with the draft done, we got a few key episodes that we got to get through here. One more look back, but we're going to have a bit of a lull here for the next little bit. So if you do have anything you want to ask, like these next two questions here, one being from our dude Grabs, don't be afraid to, to email in. We will get to them. And sometimes it may take us a couple weeks, depending on content. But yeah, big shout out to those two. And the first question we are going to tackle here is from Taylor. Now, Taylor is a newer listener. So he writes, this is uh, his subject here is comic slash book suggestion. So hey, gang, just a week, just Carlos and I for this week. But first off, you want to say that I recently discovered your show and love it. And that it's Canadian is a huge plus. Yeah, big Canadian content. Um, he says, I'm looking to take a deeper dive into Star Wars. And this is why I've kept this in here. You know, what Troy's going to give his input in this because he's also a big Star Wars reader. But having Carlos here at the table, I think a guy coming from the periphery, like we just talked about with Rise of Kylo Ren, he may be able to help out with some of this stuff. So up to now, so going back to his question here. So I'm looking to take a deeper dive into Star Wars. Up to now, I've only watched the movies. And he's looking for things, specifically the literature, and more specifically on two topics, the Clone Wars and Mandalore. Any suggestions here? Now, Carlos, I'm not expecting you to kind of take the reins on this one, but maybe just tune in. Maybe this is something that you can get at. One thing, and we'll get Troy 
to, to commentate on this too because this is two big areas of focus for him here um clone wars and actually mandalore aren't two of my big focuses but i think more recently with the mandalorian and also the clone wars coming back for season seven on disney plus i think some of the things that are probably pretty cool for you to get into if you've only watched the films is the clone wars tv show and also rebels rebels might be a nice one for you to tackle first because there is a little bit of mandalorian or mandalore lore built within that that does leverage off of everything the clone wars but the clone wars tv show is 125 episodes it's six seasons and then there's this new season coming out on february 12th i believe and so there's a lot of time commitment behind that rebels i believe is only four seasons and it takes place after or kind of within the five years preceding a new hope so some more familiarity with that crew of not the crew but at least the time frame there's some ties to rogue one and you really get especially in the later seasons you really get a nice deep dive into mandalore which is a pretty cool as far as books um where is it it's um i have it here i apologize i should have done my homework it's a darth maul um son of dathomir is another one that's a darth maul book um, it does deal a bit with some of the fallout from him coming out of the Clone Wars. This is something that was written in uh, Dark Horse, but kept canonical by Disney post-takeover. You know how they erased everything, all the legends? This is a book that they actually brought in that is quite widely praised as far as the Darth Maul story. And it deals with his interaction with the Mandalorian and all that. Very, very cool stuff there. And if you're looking for something outside of the Clone Wars and Mandalore, Lost Stars, and this is something that have you read this? I didn't read Lost Stars. I read Bloodlines. Bloodlines. Bloodlines is another great one. Claudia Gray, both of them. No. This is another. If you're looking for content literature, Claudia Gray is someone you really need to focus in on in Star Wars, particularly Bloodlines, which takes place before The Force Awakens, but in that space leading up to The Force Awakens. And there's a book called Lost Stars, which is also by Claudia Gray, which is my favorite Star Wars novel to date. It's dubbed as a young reader's, but it's a fairly substantial novel. I got it right here. It's just a beautiful book. But it's it takes two characters, and it weaves them through all of the Star Wars stories, starting from Empire Day. That's amazing. And it goes right up into the Battle of Jakku which is what we see the fallout from in The Force Awakens. That's cool. It's it's so well done. It's almost like that from a certain point of view. You intersect different aspects, whether it's Hoth, the Battle of Yavin, Endor, the Battle of Jakku, in a very intimate way. And so, yes, it's not Clone Wars or Mandalore, but it's probably the best book. And I think Troy would echo those thoughts as well. The best book out there for Star Wars. I'd even recommend that for you. It's a pretty simple read yeah. as well. Like you can blast through it. It's not a super complex read, but the characters in it are like Thane Kyrell is one of the characters. Sienna Ree, I believe, is the other character. Oh, just so well done. That's cool. Well, yeah, because I read Bloodlines on your recommendation because yeah. I, I just had so many questions as to where the First Order came from and what happened between Jedi and... yeah. And Force Awakens, and yeah, it was phenomenally well written. Like I listened to it on audiobook, oh, and yeah, so I couldn't, good. yeah, I couldn't wait to get it in my car, and I had it in the gym, and like, yeah, any anywhere that I could consume that thing. So, yeah, it was a phenomenal read or listen, and it's a testament to her writing. Yeah, that, you know, she's in the periphery, just couldn't get enough. Yeah, not that, that's what's awesome about it. And she's done quite a few books I haven't got to yet, but yeah, she's top tier, and I think going off of that too. 
I prefer to consume my Star Wars literature through audiobook, audiobooks, okay. through Audible. I find that the production quality on them are all fantastic. With It's the same guy or girl doing different voices. And they've got the the kind of sound design around it is also really good. Mm-hmm. You got, you know, if you're in a hallway, you can hear people walking by. If, you know, you're lighting up a lightsaber or something like that, you hear the... It's really well done. It's not just someone droning on about this. It is well-constructed stuff. Yeah, a little musical cues here yeah. and there. and yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. So, yeah, I know it's straight a little bit away from Clone Wars and Mandalore. And realistically, if you want deep dive, you go to the Clone Wars TV show and Rebels to get both of those aspects in. But for something a little, little sideways, Bloodlines, Claudia Gray, Son of Dathomir, as, that's a comic book. It's a comic trade. Six or eight issues. I can't remember which. Uh, but start there and then also there's the char anything charles soul does in comic books so the recent darth vader run great hop in the rise of kylo ren right now even the new star wars number one great jumping on point for someone that's seen the movies because it literally picks up as empire's ending so you don't have to know anything about what happened in the previous 70 or 80 issues of the star wars comic this is a complete not a reboot but it's starting from a different point in time and moving forward there so easy jumping on point yeah, and like I've, I haven't read a ton of Star Wars comics historically, but I've read a ton of comics. Yeah, and I actually I'm pretty cynical when it comes to movie adaptation and movie adjacent type mm-hmm. stuff. But I really dug that Rise of Kylo Ren, which yeah. speaks to the quality of his writing. So, for what that's worth, yeah, it's Charles yeah. Soule again. He'd be top tier too. So anything he does, there's a Lando miniseries too. Really good stuff. <laughs> All right, man. Well, appreciate you writing in. Looking forward to hearing some more from you. And let us know how you do with some of these recommendations if you do get to them. Or if you're looking for something a little different, make sure to hit us up. Uh, We get Troy's input here maybe next week or the week after whenever we find him from wherever he is. He's maybe over the Pacific somewhere. I'm not sure. I know he's on an island. But he'll get back at you. And uh, we'd like to hear an update as to to how you're digging this stuff. Um, All right, let's move on to question number two. This comes from our boy Grabs. He is back at it. And yes, he's doing a monthly question here. So he writes, gentlemen, yes, the questions fell off for a while. Weekly was becoming impossible without asking the same questions in different ways. So with the new year comes a new strategy on my part. Once a month, be prepared for questions, suggestions, or talking points. And even some oddball will never happen, but going to ask what if anyway scenarios. But this month he's bringing back new to nerd. Now, for those of you that have just jumped into the podcast or have only listened to the last 100 episodes or whatever, when we first started the podcast, we had this segment called New to Nerd. And right. it was about helping people that are coming to nerds. So we talked about everything from mounting posters to boards and bags to how we collect, how we protect, these type of things. But we quickly found ourselves running out of topics. <laughs> so we kind of put that aside. But Grabs is saying here, so he's bringing back new to nerd. And he says, yes, I re-listened to some of the beginning podcasts again. So Grabs does like going back and listen to some of our, our foolish beginnings. But he has a couple questions built in here. Maybe we'll tackle these one at a time. What are your strategies for seeking out and finding new titles in comics to read we'll start with that one and then we'll kind of walk through the next questions here as they build on each other so carlos what's what's kind of your strategy um my like I, I do keep a pulse on just on twitter and whatnot social media see what people are reading and yeah. recommending like a lot of guys in my current twitter feed uh they're quite accomplished comic book readers and they read a pretty diverse group of books 
and now that I've gone digital, I'm not as reluctant to jump into stuff because yeah. then you don't have books that are piling up that you don't know what to do with, or you can also consume a large amount of older material on the cheap. Uh, I am blessed in that my comic store is one of the kind of old school comic book stores where the manager who's there week to week, day to day is hardcore old school nerd that's been a Wednesday warrior his entire life. <laughs> type good of old thing. boys. Yeah. And he's, he's read a pile of comics and he also reads a very, very diverse lineup of books and he's turned me on to writers and artists and series that nobody has heard of and then all of a sudden years later they become big properties right so uh stefan sajak he had recommended a bunch of stuff that he had written and then all of a sudden he does this harleen series for the dc black label um joe hale's lock and key i read that uh, way 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 before anybody at netflix kind of (laughs) started developing that thing into a series so yeah if you have the opportunity consult your comic book store like those guys literally live and breathe this stuff 100 percent. yeah 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 i'm I'm right there with you i don't do as much of the consultation but i do take the pulse of the people like you guys sitting around me what's working for people what's not and then i also have a tendency to follow writers uh, jonathan hickman charles Mm soul these type of character or these type of guys writers and characters as well you know when you're looking at new titles it's I have a tendency to be very narrow in my focus and that's on purpose but from time to time the right author can draw me in and so it's not even really about who the story is about but it's I I have faith and trust in that their construction of the narrative around particular authors is really well done and Hickman's probably one of the guys that I'll follow the end of time charles souls another one of those yeah. is that they just have a way of telling stories that i find really engaging and that's what i'm always looking for in a comic book right is i always say it has the one book rule like if the first book can't hook me then i have a hard time continuing now that has led to mistakes in the past for me is that the first book didn't hook me and i left it and then either the books become difficult to collect and back issue as I like to have kind of a nice run of them yeah. or I miss out and it just, I never ever get to it. I'm waiting for some of the stuff to come up on digital and Marvel unlimited at this point because there's things I skipped out on because it's, ah, I'm not going to get into this. And then all of a sudden it's huge praise. So it's a bit of, you know, what's going on in my community as well as me following particular authors is kind of how I, I started things. And yeah, I'm always intrigued by as much as I don't like it. I am intrigued by number ones to kind of a a restart where you feel that you have a place to jump on. Yeah. And I fell at the stars books, the main stars run at about issue 35 or so. And so about halfway through, and now I'm just getting back into it. Now this is author driven again and timeline driven, but at the same time, I'm, I'm usually looking for something familiar but I'm also kind of how I get diversified here is, is like you said, is, is consulting with my friends. Yeah. Well, in that number one strategy, there is a benefit to it because yeah. it's it's a bit of a roadmap for folks, right? So, Yeah, definitely. It's And it's I have about 50-50 luck with a number one being a good jumping on point and a not. <laughs> like I'd say even like trying to jump into the new Guardians, number one that comes out, I think, this week or last week, it's going to be hard to do. You need to read the previous 15 issues to probably really understand what the hell's going on, let alone the previous 100 issues before that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and sometimes you just have to take the plunge, right? Yeah. And you read, and in this day and age, it's not 
it's not like the old days where you just kind of make up your head canon and then yeah. wait until you run into somebody else that's reading the book to tell you you're <laughs> wrong. It, it's yeah, uh, Wikipedia and all these other things are just a click away. So yeah, I used kind of the Google what's the reading order for this particular series. I do that a lot with Bendis stuff and the cosmic stuff to try to get through it. So because you have you can have the benefit if you understand how things were put out because mm-hmm. if you go read let's say the 2007 nova series about 30 issues if you go read that through there's bits and pieces you're not going to understand because it's punctuated with a bunch of cosmic events and little tie-ins and all that and i think going and googling how this actually came out you'll get the story and feel a lot better with it and that's where the digital comes in yeah absolutely or and sometimes i just shortcut it right i'll just read like a synopsis yeah, or a recap of, yeah. of a series or an event and it's just like oh, okay i got the high points or sometimes it intrigues me enough that i'll actually go back and read it so yeah that's yeah. awesome all right next question here for next part of the question from grabs here is do you pre-order comics or do you just have pull lists and what is your current pull list oh my yeah i do have a pull list and yeah right now it's Batman, Detective, Superman, and Action, a couple minis. Then digitally, I buy a new regular Amazing Spider-Man and Venom and the Immortal Hulk. And then everything else, I just kind of poach right yeah. now. I've, and that's part of the nerdier resolution is that yeah. I've totally revamped how I'm approaching these things. And, and once again, like all credit to Jay and the fellas of Words and Pictures, I'll go to the store all the time and just have random books in there that they think that i need to own or once in a while i have like rob liefeld variant covers in there <laughs> that they forced me to buy because they think it's funny but aside from that um <laughs> most of the things that they plunk in there are uh worthwhile buys and that's how i experience a, fo- a few of those things so i do have that side benefit of those guys feeding me stuff yeah that's awesome yeah i'm pure polist i do have marvel unlimited which I do use for back issue reading and catching up on more events that I've skipped, yeah. uh, more recent events too. But my pull list right now is Old Man Quill, Guardians of the Galaxy, Rise of Kylo Ren, Star Wars, and the current Cap book. And so I've recently expanded that a little to include a few more books. I'm testing out a few. Um, the vendors I'm testing out, and there's a couple others. So I really narrowed my pull list about a year ago when I wasn't reading a ton. And now it's slowly finding a way that as I'm reading more and more, you know, Nerdy Resolution, I'm first month of January here. And I said I'd read, what, five books a month? Yeah. I think I've consumed about 25, 30 this month. There you go. So I'm I'm just, I've made a priority. Just I sit in bed. I put my bed up. We have one of those moving beds. I put it up into the, you know, more sitting stance. So I'm not laying down trying to read. And I'm getting through two to three a night which I'm just having a blast with again. That's so ideal. It just it just takes takes that time. I'm pounding through my pull list, which is probably about six to eight months back oh, okay. ordered. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm there. So I'm loving that. Grabs also asks here, how about mail subscriptions? Do you ever go down this route? Do you ever... I know our friend over at Tumbling Sever, Kyle, he does have, I think, have a mail list. And I think this is maybe more applicable to people that don't have direct access to a comic book shop where you get basically like a monthly order sent to you or whatever. Grabs might do this as well. I'm not he sure. does, yeah. yeah, as far as I know. Um, yeah, no, I don't, and I've never played with it. No. There's just never been a need in the city. So No, we have four or five comic book shops in the city that still exist at this point. I'm thinking a couple of Phoenix, and there's one there in Sunnyside, and then, yeah, there's four. There might yeah, be more than that. So yeah, yeah, there's quite a few. And... There's a ton, yeah, words and pictures. There's a lot of books, a lot of access here, which is kind of nice. 
Yeah, um, and I'd, I'd feel like a cheater if I if I went online for oh, physical yeah. books. Well, I think that's that's the thing too when it comes to your pull list and all that is I go support that brick and mortar, right? Even you've gone mostly digital there, but the same way with a small pull list, I dip into Tamari's shop there and I more often than not will pull a figure off the pegs yeah, and totally. grab it there. You know, he's got better prices even than the, the, the big box shops too. So it's something that supporting your local is, is huge. Totally. Yeah. And I try and compensate by ordering some merch that oh, yeah. I could get other places because I do feel a little guilty because I'll come in and we'll be talking about books and be like, hey, you cheating on me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't need the physical copies of this. And yeah. So, yeah, I do throw them a bone that way. And yeah, I think it's good. I think in the absence of those shops, everything becomes harder and harder to get, especially as, you know, your Walmarts and your Toys R Uses aren't stacked the same way with regards to figures as they used to be. There's that. And, like, for me, it's, like, a big social yeah. Oh, yeah. venture. Like, every Wednesday yeah or thursday i'll go in and like jay and i'll sit and shoot the breeze about whatever for yeah. an hour or so and there's a couple other regulars that i've befriended and whatnot that it's are do it yeah it, it's kind of like cheers almost yeah, yeah. it is ah oh, man i love that i want to get to wednesday man it's tomorrow <laughs> excellent so last part of grab's question here is what was the last title that you jumped on from the start that you've been extremely happy about and a run that you came on late and regret not being there from the beginning so so let's let's do uh what's something you jumped on right at the start and you're pleasantly surprised with as it kind of materialized through the run uh donny kate's venom okay yeah and you know and kind of like troy and i have talked a couple times venom is super cool and i i i really dig his character i dig his look i dig his origin but man <laughs> just the stories are consistently weak sauce with that character yeah. it's just the same like symbiote offspring nonsense all the time but uh yeah the kate's run i had heard good things about his writing and that number one came out yeah. and I just bought it on a whim and i really dug it i love the art and uh the story was different enough and ironically it was really heavily based on symbiote lore but it was just so wacky and so out there that it kind of hooked me. And yeah, I've dug it all the way through Absolute Carnage. So that's awesome. That's uh, that's probably the most recent one where I jumped in on a whim and cool. paid off. Yeah, I'm trying to think here. Uh, for me, Jason Aaron's Thor God of Thunder. Oh, okay. Yeah, nice. that was. I'm not. I wasn't a big Thor guy. This is before Thor was cool, <laughs> before <laughs> Ragnarok. And I jumped into it. The art at first threw me. It's very pastel-y. and I wasn't digging it but by the time i got into it this is a god butcher story and all that okay oh it's really great stuff and that has implications all the way up into the war of the realms that the event that just happened and yeah get into jason aaron god of thunder was something i was pleasantly surprised with as far as a, a character that i didn't read outside of an avengers comic book um, yeah. i always liked thor but i liked him as part of the team right well and being on the outside of like well outside of the avengers books because I don't really dip into them too much. The Thor book for the first time ever, and I've been reading comics weekly forever, <laughs> uh, that the Thor book was kind of the spine of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, it was. That Jason Aaron run was huge. Yeah, I can't remember a time no. where that was the case. But Yeah, that's awesome. What about the last question here? What book that came to an end that you regret not being on from the beginning? Like something you jumped into halfway through. But I guess for my for my case here, is any book I jumped into and I liked, I went back and started from number one and went through 
to the end. But I guess I guess the question is, is there something that, you know, you wish you were there to experience from the beginning? It wasn't something that you heard good word of mouth in about 10 issues in or something like that. Uh, yeah, or even just that I regret not having the physical issues for. Honestly, oh, yeah. it's a mortal hulk. Okay. Like, yeah, you I love got, that, eh? Oh, and it just came out of nowhere. Like, I was hardcore Hulk lover back in the day, and then it kind of fell off for me after, like, the way Peter David ended his run. It, he did it very purposely in that it could be, this is the last comic book that the Hulk was ever yeah. in and that you'll ever have to read. And obviously that wasn't the case. And then, but because I was such a big fan of him and what he had done on the character that when they started going down the road of Red Hulk and a-bomb and all this other stuff i i didn't really dig it and then i jumped back on for planet hulk and world war hulk but it was almost more avengers and marvel universe events so it was yeah. easy to jump off again and so when immortal hulk was coming out and there's all this hype around it i was like ah yeah i know it's more of that <laughs> kind of crossover type stuff and then yeah just being able to read the that first trade for cheap and oh man i was blown away it was like totally new and totally different and they reinvented the character but at the same time it was what stanley and jack kirby were doing with the character at his inception oh, like it, that's it was awesome. cool stuff and yeah al ewing is obviously that book was well received because he's going to be doing empire next, yeah yeah so he's he's got a big piece and he's also doing the new guardians number one yeah which i'm super excited about very cosmic there i have to say for me it's the hickman x-men stuff i'm just coming into that now yeah. And I'm really enjoying it. And I wish I was there a bit more with the, the hype as it built for the House of X and the power of what eventually Troy keep calling the power of 10. But yeah, the power of X. 10. Yeah. But yeah, it's kind of nice with the Roman numeral and all that. But that's something that, you know, as a character, or as a writer, sorry, that I follow, I really didn't jump into this. I'm not really an X-Men guy. Yeah. And But I'm getting back into it through some of the back issue reading. Wow. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, it was a it was a cool run, and it's like X Men is another one that I kind of fell off and yeah. picked up in drips and drabs. But yeah, through House of X, Powers of Ten, and now the new X Men book. Yeah, it's the first time I've in a long time I've read X Men consistently. But it's funny they're doing the same old same old in which it's like so many books. I don't yeah. know which way to go, and it's almost easier to just walk away. It is, so, and that's like the, it's like before it was X Men Blue, X Men Gold, X Men This, Uncanny X Men. On then there was Uncanny Avengers in there that had some X Men. <laughs> It was all over the place. Yeah. So. Ah. All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for writing in. And like these guys, if you want to ask a question, whatever, we usually try to compile these things together and do a bit longer of a listener question segment. But make sure to send your emails in either through the website or at thenerdram at gmail.com. All right, let's get into some news here, man. We gotta jump into some Marvel here. We gotta talk about we gotta talk about something specific here. You know, you know, we have a DM that rolls in the background here, and, and Carlos, my friend here, he he dropped in an image <laughs> for this series, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which just so happens to be my number one most anticipated series or Marvel property, whatever you want to call it, for 2020. This sits firmly inside the MCU. There's rumors this actually come out in August, not the fall, but in August. Oh, exciting. But we got our first look. You know, we talked a couple weeks ago about Wyatt Russell. He's he's playing, I can't remember the guy's name now, off the top of my head. Um, U.S. agent. U.S. But... agent, but I can't, I'm trying to think of the actual guy's name. It doesn't matter. Military vet, whatever. U.S. agent is this cap-looking dude. And we got our first look from a set photo, sneaking set photo, of what the new Captain America looks like. Now, this is playing very much into, you know, we all saw 
Falcon get the shield from Cap. And it seems that the American government has decided that's not how we're going to pass the mantle of Captain America. And they've nominated this dude here, Wyatt Russell. Now, the suit looks great, but I'm struggling here, man. <laughs> not my Captain America. This guy's a fraud. Yeah. Looks well, good, though. It, he does look really good. <laughs> I, I like what they did with the suit, and it's yeah. pretty faithful to the USA. Very suit. close. It yeah. looks awesome, actually. Yeah. And I love how they build the A into the star, which yeah. is really cool, on the helmet there. And he's got the star on the like it's, it's I, I say that to be funny, but I'm actually stoked about this that he's got the shield and everything. The social commentary part that is inevitable <sighs> with him in the Falcon yeah coming to Loggerhead is got me extra excited about yeah. where they're taking this show. Like on top of the rumors about Nemo and or Zemo, sorry. Nemo, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's the other Disney Plus show. Uh, Zemo and Thunderbolts and anything yeah. else they could throw on there like if it's just this uh, political and social gambit between anthony mackie's falcon and wyatt russell's u.s agent sign me up yeah this has so much potential to carry on the legacy that is the tone of the captain america films especially from winter soldier mm-hmm. you got sharon carter make an appearance or sign on to make an appearance here. So you're pulling a lot of the threads that we're familiar with in this universe. And then you're taking, like you said, the social commentary, which is going to be great, which is something that we saw in the Sam Wilson Falcon or Captain America books that, uh, who the heck wrote those, man, I'm having such a brain gap here. Nick Spencer wrote and they're great. And it plays very much to that commentary about not my Captain America. Right. And very much to the commentary around what's going on in the u.s even to today or even just like fanboys online right exactly and so this this has potential this is why it's my number one for this year to be the breakout mcu property and yes these are characters we're familiar with but the fact that we get to spend six episodes with this and just coming up the back end what they did with the mandalorian and yeah i'm looking forward to black widow and all that but Man, it's going to be cool to see how they play this out in 45-minute increments. So basically getting, you know, close to two movies worth of Captain America-adjacent lore, or what's our now new Captain America. Ah, man, I can't can't wait to see how this all turns out. Well, and it'll be cool to see Falcon and Bucky stand on their own, too, without Steve Rogers there. Like, his spirit will be forever present with them and everything this show does, but he won't physically be there. Yeah. Which is think. so cool that they found a way, especially for me, a big Cap fan, they found a way to continue that universe, that part of the Marvel universe, without going down the recasting route. Mm-hmm. Like, they gave him a nice way out. They also gave him a nice way back in if they want to at some point in time, which I hope they just leave it. But they're carrying on the legacy here where I'm not going to feel that hole, I don't think. You know, it's tough to, to relinquish the fact that we don't have a strong Captain America or strong Iron Man presence in the universe anymore. But given what they've built up around it, I don't think it's going to be like, oh, we're really missing Captain America here. I think they're going to do the right things with these characters to give us everything that we need to carry on the legacy in 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 a fact that we're always going to have those movies. But it's nice to see that lore in particular being progressed in a very different way on the Disney Plus platform. Well, it speaks to you saying that you don't want Chris Evans' Captain America yeah. to come back, being the biggest Captain America fan. I was going to say in the room, but there's only two of us, so that <laughs> I know. Um, and that you're embracing where they're taking things. Yeah. That they tied him off so well. Because had they not, 
it's like, well, how can we bring him back? And yeah, you know, it's it's funny because I think that they gave him that appropriate ending, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe someday we get a Disney Plus show where it's Evans running around putting the Infinity Stones back, or some weird, you know, what if? I don't know. I'm happy if he comes back, but as far as keeping the story and the threads that they've really pulled together with the MCU and sticking true to that one singular story they can't go screwing with the biggest film of all time and making it the the stakes of it less yeah like we've heard there's going to be a, a downy cameo in black widow i'm okay with that because it's set you know pre or just post civil war pre infinity war mm-hmm. yeah sure you can revisit that i'm okay with stuff like that it's a filler it's the same way in captain marvel where you can stick in like let's say sam jackson died or whatever in Endgame or Infinity, and then you stick them back in here. Yeah, like I'm cool with that. That's a nice, easy way. It's a little bit out of that how they've structured the film as being these sequential stories, mm-hmm. but at the same time, we're gonna be taking little you know dips and dives here with Loki as well as another character that is technically dead, but that we're gonna see his escapades across you know space and time as they've seen it in Endgame. So it's a cool way to continue the story, but yeah, cap for me. I'm, I'm happy what they're doing here. I'm so excited about this, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I nothing but uh, nothing but optimism with this show for yeah, sure. Exciting. And now let's talk about another show. Let's head, let's head over to DC as we're kind of walking through the news here, and let's talk about this crisis on Infinite Earths. This is the mega crossover event for all the CW shows. Probably the last major one because I guess Arrow is ending this year tonight. Tonight, last yeah. Arrow episode is. Is there anything else ending? No, uh, just well. So Arrow's ending and Stephen Amell is leaving the role. Yeah. And then they've kind of set it up so they'll do a spinoff show. Okay. Green Arrow and the Canaries, but it's his daughter from the future. Okay, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So legacy, legacy sequel, I guess. Yeah. And they've really, they've got, now they've got, how many shows building into this? They've got Batwoman. Batwoman, Supergirl. Supergirl. uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Flash, yeah. And Uh, Black uh, Lightning. Black Lightning. And then they've got potentially this new spinoff and then they've got Arrow. So, like, this is crazy that they have, let's say, five to seven shows mm-hmm. that are now crossing over. But, and this is spoilers for Christ on Infinite Earths. For those that, this is major, major spoiler. If you haven't seen this online, I don't know what rock you're under, but. Yeah, DC <laughs> themselves, like, spoiled it for me. Yeah. We recorded the night of the crossover, <laughs> and I didn't even get home, and it's like, what? Already? <laughs> yeah. So, this is uh, what I would consider absolutely unprecedented. I dm the guys with the gif and said this is real because i didn't believe it was real mm-hmm. and now this was on was this on the flash portion of the sh- the the crossover event yeah so the the first three episodes of the crossover aired before christmas yeah. and then the final two aired on the tuesday night like two weeks ago yeah. or whatever it was now okay so in this crossover again spoilers we've got the Flash, who is what's his name? Grant Gustin. Grant Gustin, yes. He has been on that's been on the air six seasons now. Yeah, uh, yeah. The upcoming season will be at six. Six, yeah. And there's a crossover here with Ezra Miller's DC Extended Universe Flash, where they have a brief interaction. And I watched. I didn't watch the series, but I watched the interaction. It is freaking fantastic. Yeah, it was like the perfect tone, the yeah. perfect feel, the the way they play off each other, where ironically the TV show Flash is the more tenured and yeah. <laughs> mature Flash. But yeah, 
It's it's so good. And the costume that they use, like that's straight off the set of Justice League, I think. It is. Yeah. yeah absolutely. It's, it's so well done. And the fact that the DC has taken that first step, you know, this is something that Marvel's been very hesitant in doing, is acknowledging the fact that there's a TV universe that leverages their content. Now, this is changing with Disney Plus, and apparently Foggy is now in charge of Marvel TV. So I think you're going to see a different spin on all that and maybe a closer tie to the MCU. Yeah, it's a different model now, yeah, right? Yeah, very all... different model. Yeah, it's been sucked out from Marvel. Like, I think Kevin Feige is in charge of everything Marvel now, actually. Yeah, like, I don't think you'll see a Marvel show on ABC or Hulu no, or anything like that. No, I don't that. think It'll so. Be... Yeah, it's going to be high-budget stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but the fact that they did this, and you were saying before we recorded that it was actually Warner Brothers mm-hmm. and... Jim Lee. Jim Lee that came to him and said, why don't we do this? Yeah, so it was one of the presidents at Warner Brothers Entertainment and Jim Lee, who's the chief creative officer of just DC Entertainment. So everything that they put out yeah. approached um, the TV producers. So Guggenheim and Berlanti and said, hey, what do you guys think about putting Ezra Miller Flash in? And they said, well, we've wrapped, but we will move heaven and earth if you're serious and they're like yeah we want you to do it and he wants to do it and let's get it done and it was awesome and they tied it totally into the lore so in that episode um the multiverse is it's the crisis so the multiverse is collapsing and the first three episodes they show you glimpses of all these different earths throughout the history of dc proper so batman 89 earth is there and like Alexander Knox is reading a newspaper in Batman 89 world (laughs) and that world ends and Burt Ward is walking his dog as Robin. Well, he's not dressed up as Robin, but he drops a holy something and that world ends and the short-lived Birds of Prey show with the wacky (laughs) Batman Catwoman super-powered Huntress daughter that world shows up and ends and smallville right yeah smallville was on there and they did a whole bit with clark and where he took his life with lois and so they they were collapsing all the worlds and the flash is entered into the speed force and basically hitting touchstones to try and um find a tangible moment where they can fight the anti-monitor who's responsible for destroying all the earths and he reaches star labs and he reaches there at the same point that Ezra Miller's Flash reaches there and they have an interaction where he doesn't know why Ezra Miller's Flash is there because there should be no other versions of the Flash because the multiverse has collapsed and Ezra Miller's Flash doesn't know what the heck's going on (laughs) and he's theorizing and he alludes to talking to Cyborg about it and thinks Grant Gustin is a cosplayer that wants to take a (laughs) selfie with him. It's so good. (laughs) Yeah, it, it is phenomenal. Yeah. And um, that they did that and that they established that the DC film universe is just one of a multitude of Earths and universes within the DC so cool. metaverse yeah. is awesome. And then we can go into where they take things afterwards if you want. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think I want to watch this. Yeah, it, like it's cool. Like it, it is very CW for better yeah. or worse. So it does have its CW trappings. But for how far they leaned into things and like, I'm not one to get emotional about stuff. But when Brandon Rowe shows up as Clark Kent, yeah. like in the Daily Planet and John Williams music kicks in Ugh. when he's interacting with the Lois Man. from the CW verse, I was, it was pretty magic. And so to kind of break that out, there was a theory that I put forth on the internet and a few yes. people 
thought it was pretty cool. And in fact, the guys on um, Fans Without Borders ran with it. But uh, in the follow-up to that meeting, after Ezra Miller's Flash disappears back into the Speed Force, um, the subsequent episodes so the multiverses collapse and there's one singular CW Earth that exists. And so on the CW shows, Supergirl had her own Earth yeah. and Batwoman had her own Earth and the Arrow and Flash were on the same Earth. But they brought all their shows together. So I thought, oh, okay, that's what the purpose of Crisis was, was to consolidate all their shows on a single Earth so they can do small crossovers or whatever they want to do. No. They rebirth the entire multiverse. And as they rebirth the multiverse, they establish that not only do all these universes exist, but they might have slightly changed and they're different. Oh. And some of them have lived their entire existence and collapsed. Or some of them could be like the CW-verse where Supergirl and The Flash were never on the same planet before, but now they are on the same planet. And Lex Luthor is seen as a benevolent figure in the new established world. So with that, and they went all over the place. They gave you a tease of Stargirl. They showed the Green Lantern corpse. <laughs> they showed the Titans. But with this reestablishment, now they've set a precedent where Robert Pattinson's Batman could be shoulder to shoulder with Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman and require no explanation whatsoever. Ah, I love it. Because the CW did all the heavy lifting. And yeah, the DC extended universe world existed and it played out the way it did, but then it collapsed in the crisis and it was reborn. And the players might just be slightly different, but they'll have their own shared history that Ugh. they're unaware of is different than what the present reality is. So if they wanted to, and I kind of suspect that this might be a backdoor answer. Like, well, the fact that WB is paying attention to this enough, like I know I understand that they own all this stuff, but you find that the film universes and TV are, you know, at arm's reach at, at times oh, from each other. Totally, especially big corporation like them. They're, yeah. And they're not as creatively driven as like a disney word yeah then they're not linking these stories right they're two different divisions the same thing that marvel and disney had problems with with yeah abc yeah they were basically at arm's reach from each other like they didn't report the same structures didn't have the same um i guess goals objectives whatever you know the tv leveraged off the film and the film just said i don't we're not going to acknowledge any of that yeah Uh, colson's still dead in the mcu technically so it's really cool i love the theory man that we can now have, like, it's a cool way to solve some of the problems of, you know, Batflick always exists. Yeah. And Battinson is coming back in a big way, but can still have that consistency of what you want, right? And so basically, in the absence of a, a crisis film, yeah. they've done all the work, right? So you don't have to spend time explaining things. And this is a simple and elegant explanation that goes the cool thing too that it goes through so many different movie and tv universes that it just acknowledges everything has existed in some capacity as part of this this multiverse like what a like oh, i love the if they have to be going down this path yeah like if if my theory holds any water then basically ben affleck's batman was the pre-crisis batman yeah and Robert Pattinson's Batman is the post-crisis Batman. As simple as that. Yeah. And quite frankly, for 
nobody's going to be that worried about the canon of the DC movies. No. But it's nice that there's a fix to it, right? And this will go into our conversation here in a few minutes with regards to, like, what's next for DC? What's the future of DC film look like? But this is a great jumping off point, you know? It's especially for guys like us that crave, well, at least me, I crave that explanation. Like, and it's it's funny, it takes six episodes to make me feel better about continuity. I don't need it, and I think DC's proven that they don't need it either to be successful. But it's kind of a cool running back theory that it makes sense. You know, all of us have been reading books, comic books for, for years, and in your case, decades. And it's nice when things kind of just fall into place. Whether it's on purpose or not, who knows? Yeah. But it's nice that there's some overarching direction and continuity to this that even if it's just pure headcanon it makes sense yeah there's an answer instead of just because yeah just because this guy's contract ran out yeah. or just because they got a new director and yeah. he wanted to change gears or yeah it, it it's whatever it's kind of i a love it man door. i love it yeah shout out to who was it that all ran with this as well uh the fans of the border fans of so, that border yeah, yeah. big shout out to those guys Prime and i were yeah going back and forth and yeah they do good stuff on the the squad cast network there yeah and so, awesome yeah. yeah big shout out to those guys and they yeah they did uh, they did throw a little bit of credit your way as well which is good yeah they, we appreciate the shout out to our show yeah. yeah awesome all right let's talk about something near and dear to your heart before we talk about dc in a bit more detail here and that is matt reeves the batman we've been following this pretty closely in the last couple of weeks here with regards to the casting announcements everyone from Colin Farrell as, you know, Oswald Cobblepot, as the Penguin, through to Robert Pattinson, all these announcements here. Now we finally got confirmation. Hashtag day one. Hashtag the Batman. Matt Reeves putting this out there on the clapperboard along with the logo for the Batman. A nice red logo here. Beautiful text. You're giddy here, man, with excitement seeing that. We got day one. Principal photography and something pretty simple here, but this is, uh, it's got to mean a lot to you. Oh, it's it was, real. It's happening. Yeah, totally. Like, it's just, you know, they're in Leavesden Studio, I think, is where they're filming, and it's, yeah, it's real. Like, you had blasted out in the DM, and I was sitting at my desk, <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, I got a message here, and open it, and it's just, it's the stupid clapper sitting on a leather chair, and yeah. I was just grinning year to year and like it's like oh is this the chair that he's sitting in when the bat flies through the window or is it just a chair or i don't know but it made me super happy to like i'm sitting there grinning like an idiot so cool over a picture of a whiteboard essentially yeah that's it what do you what do you think of the, the logo do you think that's an official logo or do you think that's something that's just on there it's it's nothing crazy but red text is a little different um but again that could just be the copper i have no idea if this is actual an official logo yeah for the film it was cool it was it was nice it was elegant or i, I appreciate it even if it was just the intern yeah. taking the time to make it look cool and he's <laughs> putting it on the board there but yeah it's real and it's happening and you know I, to get into it a bit with the look back piece that we're gonna do mm-hmm. to to kind of spoil one of mine but it's exciting to have a Batman in this generation of movies. Yeah. Because for me, the Bale Batman, like, and as much as I truly in my heart of hearts love that Dark Knight trilogy, it was kind of the last and the greatest accomplishment of that 
past era yeah. of comic book movies where it's like we're still a little bit embarrassed of our roots and we don't <laughs> want to completely lean into the costumes and the lore and we have to make everything realistic and we have to um, have it fit into a real world sensibility and it did it phenomenal and oh, it's something beautifully. special and it's my favorite movies of all time. But it's you look at the MCU and it's like I'd love to see Batman kind of operating in that yeah. over-the-top type capacity and <laughs> We got a little bit of it with the Snyder stuff, but, um, and I loved big pieces of that, and I had fundamental issues with big pieces of it. So to have just a fully realized version of Batman, and even like Matt Reeves when he first got signed on and he starts talking about it, and he just said something as simple as, My Batman's going to be more Cape Crusader than Dark Knight. And like, I listened to that like probably two years ago and it's still with me. Like I'm just so excited. Yeah, it's 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 great. I think too, it's a good point about the, the, the generation of film. You know, where we were with Batman at the end of The Dark Knight Rises and yes, we've had the Batflex stuff and I I'll, like I do have some issues but I, I love, especially in Batman vs. Superman, like that warehouse fight scene. It was an ugly scene and the fact that it was hard to watch because he was kicking the shit out of those guys so much. Yeah. But it was also one of the best bat fight scenes like it's crazy oh yeah it's the first time you've ever seen batman as kind of the the world's greatest fighter type yeah of thing, holy so. man that yeah. was like my jaw hurt after watching that yeah. but in this world we are you know we're post joker post end game post i would even see say dc extended universe like as far as i'm concerned like with even with the crisis theory yeah. that that universe is kind of in you know it's there it exists but we're going on with something else here. It's pre-crisis. And so, yeah, we're in post-crisis Batman <laughs> mode here. And with the benefit of looking at what's been done and then spinning this out and doing something completely different, mm-hmm. um, giving the apparent look that Matt Reeves is going to have a lot of creative freedom here. And you've pointed this out multiple times that they've taken their time with this. They've chucked out scripts. They've changed direction. They've are going down a path that I think creatively works for everyone. And I think a guy like Robert Pattinson, to get his buy-in to something like this, because he's a guy that seemingly, you know, he did the Twilight stuff and all that, but then he's had a great run at indie films. He picks roles. Like, he's very specific about roles. He doesn't take kind of whatever. And I'm not accusing anyone of taking whatever in comic book film, but... There's certain individuals that I think are quite picky about what they do. Yeah, that just don't do these type of movies. No, and to get his buy-in from this tells me that it's something special. And then you add on the cast. like phew. We've talked about this, I think, in 203, 202, but holy, it's it's filled out. Well, even like, like Andy Serkis, like, it's crazy. That Andy Serkis is dropping everything to be part of it. Right? Yeah. That he's like, uh, yeah, we're going to gonna run some second unit stuff on Venom yeah. 2 while, uh, <laughs> while I run off and yeah. throw on my waistcoat and my exactly. serving tray. Play Alfred. Like, that's nuts. Yeah. It's crazy. Or even huh. um, Colin Farrell was on either Kimmel or Ellen, but he was talking about reading the, the script, I think, it was, or maybe Fallon, and saying that it was beautiful and yeah. just so rich and like he was genuinely excited to play that role and that's another guy that's he's been in a ton of projects and you gotta think too like with the amount of the rose gallery that we're seeing here it's not like a guy like Farrell he's not gonna have a he's gonna have some screen time but it's not gonna be all consuming Heath Ledger Joker type of screen time no right between all everything that they're kind of all the balls that they're juggling here 
you're going to see these individuals, I think, have their moments, but it's not like we're going to have him on screen for half an hour or whatever, 45 minutes in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's going to be give and take. So for him to take away enough from what could be a more limited role than if it was just a single villain, right? Yeah. Um, I think speaks a lot to also what the script is doing. Like if he's, if there's enough for them, for him to chew on, to develop a character, given some, what I'm assuming is going to be some of the narrative constraints that they have because of what appears to be the size of this film. Yeah. Well, and that this is the story that they're happy with and that they want to move forward with. Like, I think if Matt Reeves wanted to do a movie with just one character, yeah, he would have, they would have let him do it, but that he's developed this with four costume characters counting Batman amazing yeah absolutely incredible lots to look forward to there and i think the biggest point is we got principal photography here which means we might be six months or so away from a trailer maybe eight months maybe eight months um but nonetheless it's coming at us like Uh, there's gonna be real footage you know i'm looking at july i'm looking at sdcc man yeah 2020 cinema con in march like i just i really want to see a wicked picture of him in the suit that's properly taken that's not kind of him getting led away under garbage bags (laughs) and one of them blows up an umbrella (laughs) yeah (laughs) well it's but matt reeves he's been very interactive Mm -hmm. so my hope is that he puts out the get in front of that you know we've seen directors do that in the past snyder was one of them that got in front of some of this stuff so that the first image you see of him in the costume isn't that you know, it's something that they framed out. Todd Phillips did this with the Joker. Yes. He did a lot of this guerrilla marketing at the early stage to say, no, because you were seeing some set photos and people were like, eh, this is this. And he's like, no, here it is. And then there was that, that weird video that he put out where it was just Joaquin Phoenix. And then it kind of like the subway car goes by and then he's the Joker. Yes. And, and it's that type of marketing that gets people excited. And look what that builds into. Oh, yeah. And that was when I was sold on the project. Because you kind of, with the Joker, they had the disadvantage of shooting on location in New York. So there's going to (laughs) be cell phones everywhere, right? But when they showed that little costume test piece, oh, and he does a little eyebrow raise. Yeah. Oh, you see him go from, yeah, it's just this individual that's struggling to this manic man with just the change of that. Like, it's great. Ah, wild stuff, wild stuff. And that, that kind of leads us nicely into kind of our topic for this week, our main topic here. We're going to spend the next, you know, 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes or so, talking about the future of DC and film. And like I said at the top, this is going to be part of likely a three-part series in sense that is going to help fill us some of the holes here with some of the gaps and news and all that so that we have something substantial to chew on because, you know, we spend a lot of time in the film universe. Yeah, we're trying to expand or re-expand back into talking more about the comics we're always talking about collecting here, but the film universe has, it consumes a lot of our time doing the trailers and all that. And so let's take a pause, you know, every once in a while and look at what is in the future. You know, we've looked at what's this year. We've got Birds of Prey coming here in just a week. Yeah. Feb 7th. Like that's coming. That's like, we're on the, I believe they had the world premiere already, didn't they? Yeah, they, or some one in Mexico. Yes. Like, yeah. Mexico. Yeah. yeah. Today even. Or, yeah. yeah. So that's coming at us like we're gonna be reviewing this in two weeks which is wild yeah (laughs) amazing and we've got one woman 84 coming out here june 5th 2020 and this is really kicking the slate back off 
you know, we, we've talked about the Batman and we've seen the success of Wonder Woman. I got my copy right here for my wife. <laughs> and Aquaman was kind of that, that film that needed to, to do well. It was a huge film, wildly successful. But I think for me, 2020 is when we're kind of getting that, you know, what we're going to call this post-crisis universe really spinning out in a big way because we've got Birds of Prey and Wonder Woman this year followed by Batman in June of next year. The Suicide Squad, James Gunn here with August 6, 2021. Black Adam with DJ, Christmas Time 2021. So three films in 2021 and the DC Slate. And then we've also got three films in 2022 with Shazam 2, The Flash, and Aquaman, all confirmed with directors and release dates. So we're growing at a rapid pace here with what is a very diverse set of films which is what intrigues me the most. There's some mm-hmm. holes here which we're going to talk about, but we've got everything from a Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, Wonder Woman, The Batman, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who seems to be incredibly committed to this role, revisiting Shazam, getting back to, to Aquaman, and also The Flash, finally getting something announced there. Ezra Miller, he's made his appearance in CW. He's real. He's committed to this role. Yeah. And... This year, let's talk about just what the slate is in front of us. For the first time, we have a substantial slate. And the first time in a few years, a substantial confirmed slate in front of us for the post-crisis DC film universe. Yeah, we've come a long way yeah. from one film in 2018 yeah. and at the end being Aquaman. Yeah. And then almost a year gap until you have an out-of-continuity Joker movie. Mm-hmm. But ironically, those two movies hit huge. Yes, they made a big difference. And so, yeah, we're barreling towards Birds of Prey. The hype seems good. Yes. People are excited. You know, Twitter's kind of a mean spot with lots of angry (laughs) dudes. But, like, looking at my daughter's, uh, like, their TikTok accounts and Instagram, Birds of Prey is all over that stuff. And people are super excited about the soundtrack that's coming out. The advertising is everywhere. The my inbox is inundated with birds of prey clothing and merchandise <laughs> like i there is definitely an audience for that movie so i think it's going to be huge and then yeah wonder woman 84 is a return to kind of that pg-13 space and yep. um where the majority of these movies operate and the hype for that it's apparently yeah. the most anticipated movie of 2020 which is huge when you have two marvel movies coming out yeah that's insane. Yeah, it's, it's this is a, a point in time. Like I said, the kind of almost that, that pivot point mm-hmm. for this film universe. And this is the interesting thing about this year, too, is that these are both female led superhero films. Yeah. This is the first time we're getting that from a studio. This is their entire year is female led. And we're also getting a Marvel female led. And also, The Eternals is quite heavily female led. And all four have female directors? Yes. Which yeah. is, this is a big step. And I think it's really cool to see how the diversification of behind the lens and even behind the pen is is going to change the game again. Like this is a, an industry or not so much an industry, but a genre that evolves year on year, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool that we're going to have this really unique and diverse set of films, both within DC and Marvel, that is going to kind of really kick off the next phase. Because really, so you look at the MCU too, it's the same thing. Like, we're post-Endgame now. This is kicking off a complete... Yeah, we're going back with Black Widow a step, but it's completely kicking off really a new point in time, or from a new point in time, a different universe in in some capacity. Yeah, and even Black Widow, like, I think that that was more to 
give Black Widow a solo movie with Scarlett Johansson yeah. in the lead role, right? Uh, all things being equal, I think they would have liked to have had their first post-Endgame so. movie yeah. be a post-Endgame movie, but just like yeah, Far From of... Home kind of so it it works, but like it, yeah. Far From Home was so intimately tied to totally. Phase Three that I think it is kind of the end of Phase Three there. And Black Widow is that a first official kickoff where really the Eternals is mm-hmm. as your point forward stuff. But and then we move into 2021 here as we're skipping back to to DC here with the Batman, the Suicide Squad. And we've got two quite acclaimed directors behind these with Matt Reeves and James Gunn, who again bring two very unique styles to the films. You know, we've got Matt Reeves who's bringing, you know, I would say more of that. I guess that tone you need for a Batman film. He did the Planet of the Apes films. He's done a lot of a lot of really good stuff. Yeah. And you got James Gunn who's bringing that that Guardian spin. You know that unique take. He was scooped up post of all the issues with Disney and all that, and then was he's back with Disney. So this is another space looking at DC where we've got two films that start with the in this year, <laughs> which is interesting. But again, we're revisiting a character we have not seen in a solo film since. 2012 2012 which is crazy when you think about that they wouldn't be pushing a decade without a solo batman film yeah it's it's nuts it's not the thing that i love the most about those two films and those two creative people in that year is that both of them have those projects because of passion for the characters right so and i think matt reeves was a bit of a hot commodity when warner brothers chased him but with james gunn they basically said we want you and the doors are open do whatever you want to do you want to do superman what do you want to what do you want to work on what do you have a passion for and his thing was suicide squad and he's he often talks about the ostrander run on suicide squad and that's essentially the guy that put that concept together or really gave it its legs and he talks about it being his favorite comic book like suicide squad the marvel guardian stuff and some of the cosmic stuff and the metal myth yeah, the metal so, man. <laughs> yeah, or like his passion. So that he picked Suicide Squad, amazing. And I can yeah. almost guarantee that the Suicide Squad is probably, was probably pretty low on Warner Brothers and Walter oh. Armada's list for ones that they wanted him to do, but that they were just like, that's what you want to do? Yeah. Go ahead and do it. And yeah, I don't know. Like that, that one feels special. I agree. You know, James Gunn, I think, you know, given that, yeah, in the past, he's, he's you know, he made some comments that, we don't support, but at the same time, it's it's about second chances here, and he's been really given that here at DC, and he's you know been given that chance to finish off Guardians as well. But I think the return of James Gunn to the big screen is you know he did that Brightburn thing yep. as well that that was pre issues and all that, and that was like and he was just a producer like he yeah. had family involved in the yeah. kind of closer stuff to it but yeah he just lent his name to it yeah because and then now we've got him returning here i i agree you know both of these movies 2021 is a huge year for dc mm-hmm. given that these two properties are and these are two properties that realistically should kick off major franchises yeah and like, another interesting thing too is that it's both like your james gunn suicide squad is going to be r-rated for sure yeah <laughs> and then you'll have the Batman, which is PG thirteen, which kind of mirrors what's happening this year. With exactly, Pray and Wonder Woman. Yeah, and that's that's the thing that, that right and that's now. the yeah. space that DC is filling, right? With the Joker, and what else did they do before that? That was rated R. They had, I guess, the rated R. Was there a rated R version of the Suicide Squad or Suicide Squad? No, no. There was a R rated, like the Ultimate, the cut of. BBS oh yeah, was... yeah, yeah. 
And so, yeah, they're finding, I think, some room in there to move a bit and bring a different element to the comic book movie genre. Mm -hmm. And my hope, my biggest hope is that the R, and I don't think Birds of Prey is going to do this. I don't want the R to be just so that they can do, they can just swear more or they can have, you know, really grotesque violence and all that. I want them to use it for a specific reason, right? To make it, you know, not so adult focused that like your daughter can't go see it. Yeah. But to give it a little bit of edge, I think is what I'm looking for out of it. When I listened to some really interesting interviews with uh, Kathy Yan and Christina Hodson to a lesser extent and Margot Robbie saying that this was just the natural spot mm-hmm. that the film that they wanted to make ended up landing on. And Kathy Yan, it almost sounded like she was not surprised, but she was very empowered by just the sheer amount of autonomy that she got to make this movie. That's awesome. And like really the only person that gave her advice was Patty Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. Right. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm excited to see what they come up with. Like I'm not, uh, to be honest, like Logan, the biggest thing that I disliked about it is that it felt like a bunch of grade six kids that just learned the F word. And so they're using it as much as they can. <laughs> so I'm a little gun shy about the R ratings. Kind of yeah. the same reason you are but at the same time if this is just the natural place that this story yeah. ended up and if you can do some cool stuff because you don't have to worry about that pg-13 space like that harley quinn cocaine scene in the trailers i love that yeah i think it's brilliant <laughs> so bring it on exactly and don't get me wrong i'm very much in favor of a very well-placed f-bomb yeah like i'm a big fan of of that but like he's like he said it can't just be like f this f that whatever it's got to be well-placed well-timed almost like a comedic bit right i think it works for certain moments mm-hmm. and i i employ that in my life <laughs> <laughs> and then moving on so we're sticking in 2021 here as we're walking through the slate black adam this is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He is fully committed to this role. We've talked about this past his Instagram post where he referenced Superman, you know, half a dozen times in that, if not more, yeah. about the meaning of it. And he's continued to post stuff about it, about his workouts. He looks like he's getting huge for this. Yeah, if the guy could get any bigger. Like, right? <laughs> and this is another movie that feels different. You know, he's producing it. He's invested in DC. Yeah. And... It's it's supposed to fall in the Shazam space, but it feels different to me. Totally. Yeah. Well, and it's New Line that's doing it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of neat the way DC has this thing where everybody has their little corners, right? Yeah. But yet they're connected, but they're not. And yeah, I, I planted my flag on this show a long time ago. <laughs> and that Henry Cavill Superman, this is where he has his return to the universe and even like boss logic was commissioned by dwayne johnson and seven bucks production to do art of superman fighting black adam i I don't know why you do that unless you're kind of thinking of using them exactly their management is the same so it's a pretty straight line if you ask me oh man this is another one that and The Rock, he documents everything that he's doing, right? Mm-hmm. In great detail. So we're going to know when this is going down. And it's it's another property that, again, looking at the diversification of DC that is out there, the fact that we've got all these titles and you know, we're going to talk about Shazam 2 and that, and we still don't have that Man of Steel, that Superman, that, mm-hmm. that grounded character. 
that or that grounding character i should say in dc you know the superman logo is one of the most recognizable logos on planet earth yeah and we don't have that here i love the idea that cavill's batman is gonna or batman superman is gonna come back in a meaningful way into this universe this post-crisis universe in the capacity you know head-to-head with dwayne the rock johnson in this black adam role like i think it's awesome well, how many years ago did we get pictures of the two of them having drinks? Yes. And he's like, we meet today as friends, but who yeah, who knows what right? comes in the future kind of thing. So it just, there's, yeah. there's too many pieces. And if you go back to the autonomy that Walter Amada is affording the creatives, if Dwayne Johnson and Hiram Garcia and Danny Garcia yeah. want Superman to be the antagonist, quote unquote, in Black Adam. Yeah. It's, By rights, they can't stop him. No, and I think ultimately, if DJ went in and said, "This is what I want to do. This is when I like." There is this caveat to me signing up for this. Mm-hmm. It's Superman's in it. They'd be okay. <laughs> well, yeah, he has he has passion for Superman. Yeah, like, he does. I don't. I don't think he did anything flippantly. No, 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 no. When he was. You don't drop the name Superman as many times as you do when you're talking about your Black Adam project yeah. without some intention there. So. Exactly. Every Instagram post, every Twitter post that he has is like he the words are thought out. Mm-hmm. Like he, nothing is by accident with that man. You know, he's probably the hardest worker and he's probably the most I like the stuff that he does, but everything is thought out. Like he's got an immense management team behind him. Yeah, and then him himself, like there's nothing that's not on purpose with him. He doesn't have time to screw around. <laughs> yeah, everything's so deliberate, and I just, I don't know. I have a hard time believing that they're gonna parachute the Justice Society and the the Hawks into this yeah. thing. Like, yeah, they'd be cool, but like, quite frankly, they're no match for Black Adam anyway. <laughs> no, you and you want to see someone that goes toe to toe with Black Adam that is believable, right? Mm-hmm. And this comes back to some of the stuff I talked about with Superman and some of the things that I struggle with a bit. Is that him going to toe to toe with Black Adam? All day, all day. (laughs) Well, and it sets it up well for Shazam two or yeah, Shazam three. Yeah, if they end up fighting, if the Shazam Lee goes up against Black Adam, makes sense if that's the guy that took out Superman, right? There's your there's your lead to the Shazam two. There it is, and Shazam two comes out. You know, the following year, David Stanberg is back. And again, it's a movie I don't know if I've seen or not. I'm, I'm, I don't know. It's a, the review is coming, guys. Don't worry. But again, from what I've heard, depending on who you're talking to at this table, <laughs> it's good or maybe it's not. But it's exciting to see that we're getting the sequels, right? Because mm-hmm. this is a lot of, you know, with the exception of Wonder Woman 84 and Aquaman 2 and, and, and Shazam here, the sequels aren't building the same capacity. You're seeing a lot of these isolated projects, whether or not they're eventually connected or not, is, is yet to be said. But you're seeing a lot of this, which is kind of cool that we're starting to see the build out of, of sequels and building on what they, the new foundation that they set out for themselves. Yeah, and I think it'll work. The DC universe will work like the comic book series work right now. Yeah where they're all independent of each other, but if they come together, they'll come with their history and the established mm-hmm. character traits and uh, all their trappings. And it's just a different way of doing business, I think, than what Marvel's doing, where it's 
an event almost. Yeah. This is our infinity event. And these are the chapters of the story that lead to Endgame. Exactly, yeah. Whereas with these guys, it's just like we're telling these small stories here and there. And if we or a creative person comes to us with an idea for a big one, they can take the pieces. And as long as they leave them in this spot at the end of it. Yeah. We're good with it, so yeah. I saw. I was looking forward to it. And the Flash. You're finally getting some traction, um, you know, <laughs> right? Pun intended. It, it. We've seen numerous creatives come in and out of this project. Ezra Miller submitting scripts on the fence. Is he in? Is he out? Appears to be in and committed to this. Yeah. And this is someone that I think coming out of Justice League, there there's room to move with this character. Um, they've got a lot of work to do to, and I think there's a lot of the mending of that with Grant Gustafson's Flash, which is quite favored, I think, amongst DC fans. Yeah, in some people, capacity. people do love that Flash, yeah. and it's funny because they go at each other's throats, and it's like not only Grant Gustin and Ezra Miller, but even like John Wesley Ship, who was like <laughs> the '90s Flash. They've all made some version of the comment: "The Speed Force is big enough for all of us." Yeah, and they all love <laughs> each other, and they all support each other. But yet the fans are like knives and brass knuckles all the time. It makes no sense to me. But listen, yeah. another one. It comes July first, twenty twenty two. Like it's nice to have a date there, firmly set. It, it kind of bounced around. There's talk about this being a crisis event, which now we've seen that that event play out in CW. Yeah. So they're talking about it being like a flashpoint light. Yeah. So yeah, I'll be curious to see what they do. Uh, I liked what Andrew Machete did with the It movies yeah. and. He's a guy that's pretty respectful to the lore and mm-hmm. to um, what he's adapting. So I'm I'm cautiously optimistic with the Flash. It's one of those where it's been coming for so long. Yeah, it's just like I, okay. <laughs> I won't believe it until I see the clapper, like the one yeah, for the exactly. Batman. <laughs> <laughs> now, was when Andy Machete he did the he so he did it it chapter two and yeah. those were both under WB right? Yes. Yeah, so he's got some history with WB. So hopefully, giving him again. A bit of that freedom mm-hmm. to, to run around as a creative. Yes, interesting. Okay, now James Wan, this last one, at least in the announced slate, is coming back to direct Aquaman 2. Now, this is quite a step out. You know, 2018 to 2022, you know, a lot of momentum coming off the back end of Aquaman, Jason Momoa, and this is quite a stretch out for a sequel, especially mm-hmm. something that did that well at the box office, and that was, and that was that well received within the universe at the time. Um, it's interesting that they're waiting this long, you know, given that we've even Shazam 2 is going to come out before it. And Shazam, when did Shazam come out? In 2019. 19, yeah. Yeah, and it's getting a sequel just two short years later. And we are four years to get an Aquaman sequel. Well, I know Shazam, one of the driving forces behind it was the kids aging. Okay. So they didn't want the the adoptive family to age out too much. Okay. Okay. And then, yeah, there was a few, not hiccups, but uh, I know WB, they kind of like with Matt Reeves, they said, we want James Wan to do it. Mm -hmm. So we'll give you the room to do whatever else you need to do. And when you're ready and when you're set to do Aquaman, you do Aquaman. Right. So, which is cool. Like I, I can dig it. I'd, I'd rather wait a bit. I agree. I think, you know, in some capacities, you could even look at the MCU and say some of these sequels came too quick. Um, yeah, they're coming off the back end of a ton of success with Avengers, so it's hard to argue, and they're coming out with one of their biggest properties. But at the same time, you know, diversifying a bit earlier on, and it may have benefited some of these properties a little. But 
again, that's in the past and <laughs> we are looking forward here. Yeah, totally. Well, I, and I think part of it too is just deciding what you want to do, right? Yeah. Marvel is a producer-driven mm-hmm. studio and that's awesome and they've done it to unparalleled success. And DC's going back to their, or Warner Brothers is going back to their roots of being a director-driven studio, right? So I think they found that sweet spot where it's like, yeah, these are the rules for our toys. Here you go. Yeah, exactly. Can... Which, which is great to have that that set up, and it's beautiful to look at a slate like this. And you know what? What's next? What, in your opinion, you know, given that we've just run through all the way up to the end of 2022, here we've got eight films on tap, announced directors attached, release dates. Some of them in active production, some of them in pre-production, and some of them in kind of that in development stage. And so we've got all these films here. We've got a substantial slate. This is matching what the MCU is doing as far as size and capacity when we get to three, four films a year in these universes. So 2021, 2022 is going to be an insane year mm-hmm. as far as comic book films. Like we're almost, but you add on the Disney Plus, we've probably got something every month debuting. Yeah, it's awesome. Between the two studios, yeah. seven films. Like, that's, that's wicked. And that doesn't even count what Sony's going exactly. to pop in here. And, and with Venom and all that universe. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, we talked about Morbius a couple of weeks ago. Wow. So, but what do you think is next? You know, post-2022, what does DC need to do for you? Does Is it sequels? Is it continuing down this path of doing individual films, building up small universes? Is it a crossover event? Like, what, what do you need as a as a DC film watcher, again, we haven't consumed a ton of these post-crisis films, mm-hmm. but we're going to get to them in a few weeks here. But just given what you've talked about, your anticipation level, your your intimate knowledge with some of these characters from the comic books, like what, what do you need? What's next for, for DC film? Well, there's a few pieces that we kind of know, right? So Ava DuVernay and Tom yep. King working New on Gods. New Gods actively and she's such a big name. That's not one that Warner Brothers is going to no. let just die on the vine. And she was quite the get, so I think that's a for sure. And then there's rumblings just a couple days ago that Bad Robot is doing Justice mm-hmm. League Dark stuff. Yeah. So that's a whole nother corner. And even if they do like small budget horror movie stuff mm-hmm. with the yeah. Justice League Dark characters and maybe do their own little mini crossover in the background, I'm cool with that. I'd have to have Superman when you ask yeah, me what I course. want. Yeah, of course. That's the biggest hole in here, right? The biggest absence when you're talking about yeah. forward going slay is Superman. I, I need a Superman of just decide what you're going to do. The character is more important than any actor or any creative or anything else. I, given my druthers, it would just be Henry Cavill's established Superman post crisis. No. <laughs> in whatever. Um, that that's what I'd like to see, and then I'd like to see some form of a crossover event. Yeah, I agreed. I'm I'm there with you too. You know, I have that affinity for bringing stuff together. Now, what capacity that falls in doesn't include the Green Lanterns. I'd love to see new Green Lanterns mm-hmm. solo outing here. Yeah, well, um, you get the show right. And yeah, maybe if they true. Yeah, yeah. If they Disney Plus the show and have it that Hasbro movie, Max, it, yeah, yeah, or Hasbro Max, HBO Max. It. <laughs> Thinking I'm about sure action figures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but i'm there with you on the on the crossover i think that's something that i want to see mm-hmm. and but i like this idea you know realistically you could go another two three years of building up individual characters right this doesn't seem to be particularly focused on major franchise creation um this is about individual stories being told by creatives yeah um and then we'll see where it comes right like in any capacity, 
you could see a Batman 2 announced, Suicide Squad 3 or whatever we're calling it, 2 at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, we're likely to see after this initial slate some of those sequels taking spaces when you're having you know, a sequel and or two sequels a year and kind of a, an individual launch pillar of a, of a film universe or film character in some capacity go forward. But we'll see how this how this develops. But that's what I'd like to see is kind of let's build on the success and build on successful stories, keeping those creatives on the projects as long as they kind of turn out relatively well, your James Gunn's, your Matt Reeves, and seeing some of these through mm-hmm. um, and having that free reign to leave a bit of threads. I always like that in the comic book film, right? It's like not having this definitive end unless we're actually ending yeah. the universe in some capacity, right? Don't kill off your bad guys. No, exactly. Yeah. Let's, let's build this and, and run with it. And we don't have to have that freak of the week type of let's kill, you know, Marvel suffered from this. They killed like every villain leading up to a certain point Yeah. to end the film. And it's this that I want to see build on that and then get to a crossover and it doesn't have to be a cosmic scale crossover either no. it can be something small it doesn't have to have every character in it quite frankly the easiest thing to do would be to pick up that thread that justice league had in their stinger and you could just have a character from each of these yeah. movies go recruiting the next member of the legion of doom mm-hmm. and then you have your built-in crossover right away right? Yeah. have it be a character from that movie so Aquaman two ends and have Black Manta be the one who gets recruited. Mm-hmm. Have the Riddler get recruited out of the Batman. Have whoever Cheetah or whatever. Yeah, something Black like Adam would yeah. probably be a big one. Yeah, for you and then off you go. Right? Yeah, Cheetah. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see, see what, what she happens. looks like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See that for yeah. It's it's very exciting to see the future look this bright. You know, we were talking even a year ago or two years ago. It didn't look like this. No. For, for DC. The utter skepticism. Yeah. Like, to be honest, my expectation was that Aquaman was going to just fall flat on its face. Yeah. It was the make or break, yeah. really, for this for this universe. The only reason it came out is they had spent so much on yeah. making the movie before Justice League came out. Yeah. And yeah, my I thought it would die a painful death, and then I would be kind of languishing with no DC films on the horizon. Yeah. and. Even like Matt Reeves, the Batman was, it was far out of production. Yeah. Like they hadn't spent a ton on it, not enough that they couldn't walk away. So to go from that to this, this. yeah, it's crazy. Eight film slate, with inevitably more movies to be announced this year. I would even say SDCC. You know, yeah. there's there's potential there where we're starting to look at the already what's next. You know, and they they like to tease these these. Especially if they have momentum. If we see positive vibes, which I think we're going to get from Birds of Prey and Wonder Woman, right? Mm-hmm. It's, you know, what's next for these characters? Well, I like that they've got a budget structure and yeah. they know that they can tell stories on a smaller scale and they don't have to put their studio in a bankruptcy position <laughs> if the movie doesn't perform. Exactly. It, yeah, it's a, it's a good spot. I kind of like where DC's at and where they're heading and... They'll f- maybe fill a bit of a void with some of these other franchises getting long in the tooth or closing out from yeah. some of the other studios. Like Universal doesn't have much going on. Paramount doesn't have much going on. So, yeah, why not? Yeah. Ah, oh, man, this is very exciting stuff, you know. And that's, that's kind of the, the look forward that I think we'd like to do for each of these universes Go and you know, in subsequent podcast years. Take a look at what we know. Speculate a bit of what's coming next. 
but just kind of get everyone hyped. You know, everyone listening, everyone here in the room hyped about how awesome it is to be nerds right now. Oh, it's insane. <laughs> like, I go back to that point that I was making about being embarrassed about your stuff. Yeah. Like, when you're talking about four years between Aquaman movies, it's like, I went three years between just comic book movies, yeah. period, full stop, right? <laughs> like, that that was just the reality back then. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, if you squint, you can kind of see an X on Cyclops' <laughs> leather uniform, and that's cool. Yeah. But now it's a whole new world, so yes. I'm just soaking it up. You want to make Alfred some weird British swinger in the 60s? Sure. Do it. Let's do it. Yeah, let's <laughs> do it. And we're guys, we're going to be here covering all this for years to come. We've got Birds of Prey up next. Two weeks, we're going to be reviewing that. So it comes out not this week, but next week. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be reviewing the week after. So it'll be our first big review of 2020 coming out of, you know, the Rise of Skywalker and all that. Which might be tight for me. I don't... <laughs> yeah. We'll see. We'll figure it out. We'll make yeah. time. And then we got one eighty four, And then we've, we've got all kinds of stuff here, guys. It's going to be an absolute blast here in the nerd room with DC, Marvel, Star Wars, everything. We're going to be back at the mics next week where I think we'll, there'll be someone here. Yeah. <laughs> Might be Carlos and my wife next week. Who knows? <laughs> Taking yeah. the reins. But we'll make sure to have the content. And like you said, if we can't put something together, there'll always be a bonus episode. We've got some ideas that are stewing here in the background about some special episodes that we're going to do. I'm just going to tease it there that we're going to have the whole crew sitting here. And I'll say it will be in the capacity of review what we're reviewing we'll leave that for the future but you know we're looking forward to it here and so you'll be seeing news once we find time in our lives which is always always difficult but Mm -hmm. we're gonna be back here next week i don't know what's coming next week there's rumors you know that we're gonna see some footage from i don't know maybe falcon the winter soldier you know we're getting close here to birds of prey one of the black widow Ugh. Batman under a garbage bag exactly. walking between Umbrellas. studios. Who knows? We're going to be talking to some Star Wars next week once Troy's back at the mic. So very exciting stuff, guys. Thank you very much for joining us. If you'd like to be a part of this podcast, like the listeners before it, you can always email us at nerdram at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter. Handles are at the end of the episode. You can find the whole crew here wandering around Twitter, always looking for something to talk about. And you can find everything we do over the nerdroom.net as well as Star Wars Commonwealth dot com and you can find a lot of stuff we do over on instagram some of the hunt stuff hopefully gonna have a picture up here of what the nerd room has transformed into here in the next little bit so hit us up there that is again at the nerd rm and last but not least we'd like to give a big shout out to our man rob wade for endorsing this podcast over emotionally 14.com all right with all that being said for this week for the nerd room i'm tim and i'm batman Goddamn Batman. <laughs> and thank you guys very much for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, and Sanjay on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sunjabby. For more content from the Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to the Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts from Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Telling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Rogue Squadron Podcast, San Diego Saber's Radio Podcast, Retro Inc., and the Sandcrawler Podcast. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SWCommonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world. <laughs>